Welcome to the Bow Church Podcast. In this episode, we're beginning a new series on the book of Revelation. This series will be focused on how we can make sense of the wild times we are currently living in. Tim May will be taking us through the chapters of Revelation, encouraging us to study the book together and find hope in these wild times. In this episode, we'll be looking at Revelation chapter 1, verses 9 to 18, John's vision of Christ. I will read it for you now. I, John, your brother who share with you in Jesus the persecution and the kingdom and the patient endurance, was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, Write in a book what you see, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see whose voice it was that spoke to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands I saw one like the Son of Man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white as white wool, white as snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined as in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp, two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining with full force. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he placed his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. I was dead, and see, I am alive for ever and ever, and I have the keys of death and of Hades. These are wild times. Pandemic, lockdown, the chaos of our politics and further afield, just to name a couple of situations. The oppression and persecution of the Uyghur people in China, the war in Ethiopia and all of this is before we get to politics in America, the the riot, the protest, the insurrection, whatever word you want uh, on Capitol Hill, Trump and all that is going on there, the chaos. These are wild times. And when I looked at the lectionary, these are the set readings for the church. I saw that for Epiphany, uh, there were some readings from the book of Revelation. In fact, the word Epiphany comes from the word to reveal, to make manifest. It was what was revealed to the wise men about Jesus that we celebrate today. The book of Revelation, as you've just heard, been read is wild and so I wonder perhaps if it's these wild times that need wild scriptures and so we're actually going to be preaching over the next few weeks from the book of Revelation. Someone once said it's the book that you either never get into or never get out of. (laughs) 
the book of Revelation is associated with probably, I don't know what's in your mind right now, what you're associating with the book of Revelation. It might well be a, a lunatic. It's often associated with the more kind of extreme and perhaps um, off-centre, let's say, uh, parts of Christianity or even the most insane conspiracy theories out there, quote, the book of Revelation. But don't let the abuses and the extremes keep you away, away from what is a great gift to the church. In any season and any place, Revelation is actually a, a gift. I'm just going to give the briefest of introductions to the book of Revelation and just make one comment from chapter one. And, you know, there's a bit of information here. If you find it helpful, you can even write some of this down. Um, so who wrote the book of Revelation? That's the most controversial thing because there's no real consensus. Whoever wrote the gospel of John and the three epistles named John and Revelation is a much debated matter. I think, you know, when you weigh it all up, although you can't tell any of this stuff for sure, it was either John who's talked about in the gospel as the beloved disciple, the one who laid his head against Jesus's chest or someone who knew him very well or was trying to represent John. But even though it's, you know, it's a much debated topic, um, it's not actually the most important thing. So don't get too het up about that. When was it written? Well, that's actually much more straightforward. There are a few events talked about in the book of uh, Revelation that mean that it must have been written after 92 AD. There's a few things to do with the Roman Empire that referenced. That means that it's probably, I would say, around 96 AD. Where was it written? Again, much more straightforward. The island of Patmos, it's still there, hasn't sunk, 10 miles off the Turkish coast, the Greek island. And it was a prison island. It was where they sent political troublemakers, terrorists, effectively think about a first century Guantanamo Bay. Domitian, the empire emperor at the time, had got particularly insecure and so had required all people in the Roman Empire to worship him. And those that resisted, like Christians, were sent to places like Patmos. John probably uh, was clearly a very important person, regardless of, of, of the debates about exactly who wrote it. The reality is it wouldn't have survived. It wouldn't have been uh, ended up in the canon of scripture if it hadn't been someone with great authority and great respect. And so this John, and I think it was probably the John, the beloved disciple of, of the gospel, um, was sent to Patmos because they would have been afraid to kill a leader. They wouldn't have wanted to kill a leader and, and risk creating uh, heroes, you know, martyrs and heroes. So they uh, sent them to places like Patmos, exiled. And why was it written? Well, in the words we heard read, he says, I, John, your brother, who share with you in the persecution and the kingdom and the patient endurance. It was written to encourage the church in their moment of persecution. The global and historical norm for Christianity is that it has no special political protection and is often quite disliked by the culture. So uh, not, you know, I won't surprise you, therefore, Revelation is actually most often the most popular book for the persecuted church. So reading it and studying it aligns us with a global and historical story of marginalisation and isolation, which we do not experience in this country at the moment. The desire to be protected by the state and loved by others goes deep within that human desire for significance and security. But Revelation takes us to a different place, a wilder place, somewhere different. Its genre is quite specific. 
you don't read a newspaper the same same way you read poetry, the same way you listen to classical music, the same way you look at a political cartoon. What you're looking at changes the way you see it. And all these genres, all these styles are important, but they do different things. Revelation, my friends, is not a newspaper. It's definitely more poetry than prose. It has some of the most vivid and actually terrified images you can imagine. Most of these images come actually from the Old Testament. John is kind of doing a remix, a mashup of Old Testament imagery and some from the Roman Empire. As well as images, there's numbers that are significant. The number seven, for example, that means perfection. This talk of poetry and imagery means um, that in one sense you shouldn't take it literally. But I want to say that we should take Revelation seriously. I remember reading an article that stood out to me in, in 2016, the autumn of 2016, a few weeks before Trump was elected president. It was in the Atlantic magazine and it said the issue right now, and it wasn't predicting that Trump would become president, but it was saying that it was a likelihood. And it said the issue is the, the American media take Trump literally and therefore laugh at the statements he's saying, but the American people take him seriously. He and Trump still represent serious concerns. You can laugh at the things he said, you can get angry at the things he said, but he speaks to some serious matters that people care about. Otherwise, they wouldn't have voted for him. In a very sort of different way, but connected. I think when we look at the book of Revelation, we shouldn't take it literally. These images aren't like newspaper reports. They're not IKEA instructions of how to put up a bit of furniture, but they are serious. There's a serious reality that they point to. Why is it called Revelation? Well, the word revelation is literally apocalypto. It means um, apocalypse. But we use the word apocalypse sort of in, you know, trashy Netflix movies to talk about terrible scenes and, and devastation. But actually the word means unveiling, like a bride's veil being lifted off or, or theatre curtains moved to one side. Or I quite like the image of a car bonnet, you know, looks slick on the outside, but you open up the bonnet and there's all kinds of things going on in the engine. And it's not John's apocalypse. The first verse is the revelation, the apocalypse of Jesus Christ. It's the unveiling of Jesus, by Jesus and about Jesus. And then lastly, on the structure of Revelation, I won't get geeky. I thought about showing you some diagrams and things, but I've, I've held it back. I've held back the diagrams. Um, but I will just say the structure is all around the word opened. Four times the word is used, opened up, and that, that creates five sections. And with a, a prologue and an epilogue, a beginning and an end, that in total creates seven sections to the book of Revelation. Remember I said numbers are important, seven is important. And so we have these five windows on a greater reality, five caveats, five pictures, and then a beginning and an end. All, with, all basically split up by this word opened. Heaven was opened, the scroll was opened. The word opened creates a new break in, in the story. And we're going to look and peer in to several of these windows in the coming weeks. So why are we doing this? Why a bit more about why I thought this would be a good idea to do in January in our third lockdown? Well, it's that phrase, opened up. I believe that Revelation will open things up for us. I think it will open three things. Firstly, I, I pray it will show us that confinement can be an opportunity. I hope Revelation will open up your experience of our current national lockdown. And this is hard. As Ozzy said earlier, this is hard for all of us. This 
for many of us has hit us harder than the previous two. It's an experience that feels confined, feels hemmed in, and we need to feel opened up. It was in the context of confinement, in exile, on the island of Patmos, that John had this vision and wrote down this wild experience. The limitation of the island and his slave-like experience in the stone quarries of Patmos was the opportunity he needed to look beyond. And that's actually a repeating pattern in scripture. David, in and out of caves in the Old Testament, hiding from King Saul, wrote some of the most piercing psalms. Paul, in prison, wrote some of the most elegant and universal letters, his epistles, and John on the island of Patmos, confined saw these great things and heard these great things. And we in lockdown are experiencing confinement, restrictions, limitations. But what if these limitations were actually possibilities to go beyond the here and now? What if they created focus and stillness to look deeper? Secondly, there is more to reality than what we can see and hear. Because confinement actually leads to an opportunity of abundant experience by going deeper into life, Therefore, the book of Revelation helps us to look beyond what is just perceived with our senses. You might be someone who thinks, talk about what, you know, is more than you can hear or see or touch. That's kind of naive. But I've actually always thought the opposite. I've thought that it was naive to believe that all there was was what we could perceive with our unaided senses. That seems naive to me. And it's the same in the world of the Bible. For that you think was behind the Holocaust was Hitler. I think you're naive. If all that you think was behind the transatlantic slave trade was economics, you're naive. All that was behind addiction was just bad parenting you received. All that's behind the march on Capitol Hill was politics. I think you're naive. There is a world of evil forces and influence and the book of Revelations opens up the reality of these things. And in the same way, in the Bible's world, if you think that all that's behind the feeling when you get to hear live music that you really love is mere psychology, then you're naive. If all that's behind the beauty of a sunset is just physics, I think you're naive. If you think that all that's behind Marcus Rashford's courage and commitment to act is just evolutionary self-interest, and if all that's behind the way my daughter makes me feel is mere biology, then I think the Bible would say you're naive because there is a creator and what he made was good, and through his son Jesus, he is renewing all things into eternal goodness. He's on the throne, and he hasn't taken a holiday. But we need to see what's beyond just what we can perceive with our senses. And these images and this experience of reading the book of Revelation, I hope, will help us to do this. And lastly, uh, I hope this opens up for us that the centre of reality is Jesus. He is the author of history, the beginning and the end and the very centre of it all. And just a tiny word, a tiny word on, on conspiracy theories and the wackier readings of this. It seems to be my mis the mistake that people make when they interpret Revelation is they make it about themselves, not, not Jesus over-obsessed to try and use the, the, the power of the unseen world to over-interpret world events now. 
A lot of revelation has been used to interpret when Jesus will come back and, and people have, have sort of tried to d- discern with newspaper and the book of Revelation exactly what's going on and say that the, the eagles in Revelation stands for F-16 fighter pilots, all kinds of things like that. But as one commentator said, when it comes to Jesus' return, I'd rather be on the welcoming committee than the organising committee. I think the message of Revelation is that, the, that Jesus wins and Jesus is the author of history. We don't need to get involved in that authoring. We get to receive the gift of Jesus' revelation. We don't get to determine the parameters with which he will reveal himself. So the last thing I think it would open up for us is at the centre of reality is Jesus. I pray that we become more aware and more in love with Jesus. So my challenge simply something to do in lockdown. Many people make banana loaves. Other people take up a new physical exercise. But why don't we read Revelation together as a church? 28 chapter, uh, 22 uh, chapters, it's 28 days till Lent. That's, you know, just a chapter a day with a few days off. So just try with a few verses. Have a notebook open, one page with things that, that's inspiring you, and one, one page, maybe a longer page, with things that you don't understand. I think all the images and the parts of Revelation, that when you read it, you'll be like, what is that about? Just recognise you're not reading the newspaper. It's not easy. Poetry is not easy, is it? So just write down the images, write down the ideas and the things that you're confused by. It would be an incredible experience. Like reading poetry, you have to mine the surface and then get, get something from it. Um, so yeah, let's read Revelation together. I'll, I'll send some, some stuff out maybe in the, in the news this week, some books and resources that you would find helpful. I, I would consider if, if people wanted to do in a couple of Zoom calls to look deeper. Uh, I could even get my diagrams out and I could even invite a friend who's a biblical scholar. But why don't you send me a message? Maybe even in the chat after the service. If, if 10 or 15 people say that they, they would do a Zoom call, Bible study and Revelation, going into a bit more deep detail, then I would do it. But I wouldn't want to put it on if, if it wasn't quite what you wanted. So let's try and read it together. Um, let's share it maybe in your cedar groups or just with your friends. You can talk about it um, in this wild time. Let's do something, something different, more than just baking sourdough bread. Let's, let's read apocalyptic literature together. So as I close, um, just one comment on chapter one. I think you, there's words in, in chapter one of Revelation that sum up perhaps the whole message of the book. Look and behold. It's the same word, but the older translations say behold, which I quite like. Because you get the command. Behold. And secondly, do not be afraid. And in fact, those two messages, behold and do not be afraid, work together. I think the book of Revelation would say, if you look at these things then you will not be afraid. But if you're looking at the news, looking at the politics, looking at the sales figures, looking at the trends, looking at our bank balance, looking at the perfect bodies on Instagram that aren't real, then we might be afraid. Do not be afraid. Verse 17 said, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he placed his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. I was dead, and I see I am alive forever and ever. I have the keys of death and Hades. Fear is about moving away. Psychologically, that's how Freud described it. It's it's literally the muscle. You move away from what you're afraid of. And there's lots to be afraid of. Covid, new strange, recession, politics. There's lots to be afraid of. We have to necessarily move away from each other to be safe. 
But I pray in this time that we wouldn't give in to fear. I see it on the streets. I'm sure you feel it too. We all see each other with new suspicion, the possibility of threat, the possibility of contagion. But if we start to sow and create a society based on fear, no good thing will come because fear is an illusion. Fear is the perception of reality from a distance, from moving away. It will not take us to who people are and what their real motives are. Fear is an enemy. And how do we deal with it? Understand it. Recognise it's inevitable. But don't let it have the final say. Instead, choose love. John fell at the feet of this figure, Jesus, this manifestation of Jesus, as though dead, afraid. But this was the same Jesus that he laid his head upon. And so Jesus puts his hand on his head and says, do not be afraid. The intimacy of that moment is remarkable. Choosing love is moving towards literally if, if the, the core biological emotion of fear physically makes us move back, love brings us towards. We melt in vulnerability. One writer, not a Christian, said love is giving someone the ability to crush you and hoping that they won't. Moving towards. Courage is what happens when you don't let fear tell you what to do. Faith is not being fearless, but doing the right thing. Moving forward, trusting. Love, therefore, overcomes fear and sets us free. So what does it look like now? Don't give up on love. Don't give up on, on love for one another, love for this world. Don't retreat into fear. Of course be safe. I'm not saying don't wear a mask. But don't do it out of fear. Do it as a gift for one another. Learn how to smile with your eyes. So he put his hand on John's head. The cosmic. That's what the images ultimately mean of Jesus. These bizarre images that, that Christopher read. The, the cosmic and the personal. The universal and the particular. The same hands that hold stars ruffles our hairs. So make your bedroom Patmos. Make your hour of exercise your Patmos. A place of encounter and imagination to peer beyond what is here. What we can, what we can feel and see with our eyes. To the reality, the greater reality beyond. The story of Jesus. The creator. Uh, the recreator. Bow before his glory and then experience the voice of his tenderness. Do not be afraid. Feel his hand on your hair. There is more than you can see. Do not be afraid. I am the beginning and the end. I am with you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you have any questions or would like to discuss anything that stood out to you from today's talk, email hello at bow.church. We would love to hear from you.